Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, good morning. Glad that you're with us today. And those of you joining us on Vallejo campus, glad you're with us. Those joining us online as well. Um, there is something about a new year uh, that just kind of gives this sense of a fresh start. And very often, uh, the beginning of the year, whether you make actual New Year's resolutions or not, there is a sense that there's a chance to, to maybe start over or or make some changes. And it's, it's a little artificial, yeah, because but there's something about turning a page on a calendar that just kind of says... Okay, chance to start over. And, and change is a big, big part of that. And that's why we're beginning this year, starting this year, talking about change. And um, just the first two weeks, and that's what we're talking about. Last week, we talked about why change is so hard. And, and if you weren't here last week, I'll give you a quick quick recap. I really encourage you to go listen to the podcast or go online, watch the video cast. Because these two weeks, I think, can make life change happen in your life this coming year. And and so I, these are really, I think, two key things. Last week, we talked about why it's so hard to change. And, and, and in essence, it's because there's this inner conflict in going on inside each and every one of us. And the conflict is not so much against good and bad. The conflict is really about our wants. And it's about what we want and what we ultimately want, which is our values, and, and very often we will sacrifice our values, what we ultimately want, to get what we immediately want here and now. And that's usually the battle that goes on deep within us. The battle between our wants and our values, or our immediate wants and our ultimate wants, which are our values. And that, that we will never really change until we determine our values. And values have to do with character, the kind of person that I want to be. And, and then if I understand my values, then bringing those front and center, then my wants can slip to the back a little bit. And so change doesn't happen by trying to change my behavior. Change happens by changing our values. And what we said last week was that if you are a believer, if you are a Christ follower, the primary source of your values, the, the biggest influence and what largely shapes your values is your understanding or your perception of God. And I want to kind of tease that out a little bit more this week and talk a little bit about that, that part of change that is so important and it has to do with your perception of God. Now, last week, we went through two whole chapters, um, pretty much, um, in the book of Romans. Now, for those of you who don't know, the book of Romans in our New Testament is really just a letter written by the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament, and most of our New Testament is letters to Christians, new believers in different cities. And the letter Paul wrote to the church in Rome is just an explanation of what the Christian life is all about and what it means to be a follower of Jesus in their setting and really in our setting as well. So last week, that's a lot of what we covered. Today, we're just going to jump right into it and we're going to talk about how does change actually happen. Last week, we looked at two whole chapters. Today, we're just going to look at two verses, but they are so jam-packed with so much information. So it's in Romans chapter 12, if you want to follow along. And Paul wrote these words. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, those two verses, those three sentences, really encapsulate all that you need to know about change. That, that very, very distinctly and, and, and succinctly puts together the very essence of how change happens. Now, let me tell you up front, what I'm going to talk about today is not a simple, easy three-step formula. You learn this formula, you'll be able to change everything. It's not about a formula so much as it's about the process. And, and it's not something that happens in three easy steps. What you will find is this is a process that will be a lifetime of learning. But at each step of change and each step of transformation, these principles carry all the way through. Um, and what I want to start with is this, simply this. What Paul says is that true change happens. It begins and ends with embracing the truth that God is for you. God is for you. Unfortunately, that is not the picture that most people have about God. That more than likely is not the picture of God that you got when you were growing up. Most of us have this idea that God is not for us. He's against us. That, that everything he tells us is so contrary to what we really want that he's just in the business of messing up our, 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 our fun. That, that God is not for us. That God wants something from us. And, and that's why we have spent the last 28 years, that's why I've spent the last 28 years of my own ministry just trying to get people to understand this concept of grace, that God is for you. That is at the bottom line of, of grace, that God is for you. He's not against you. He's not looking for something from you near as much as he's looking for something for you. And that is one of our core values of the church. And that is one of the things that I think we really have to get our hands on. So Paul starts this whole thing with that concept. And the very first word he starts with is therefore. Now, therefore is a very important word. Okay. For those of you who've never gone to seminary, never gone to Bible college, never taken a class in, in biblical scholarship. Okay. I'm just going to give you something really, really simple. Anytime you are reading or studying your Bible and you come across the word therefore, you stop and see what it is there for. Okay? You got that? Anytime you see therefore, that's what it's about. Because therefore is a transitional word. Therefore says, usually there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that's been written or been saying or been teaching. And, and then it comes to this. So therefore, in light of all of this now that I've told you, therefore, here's how to respond. Okay? So therefore is a transitional word. Paul has spent the first half of this letter talking about God's unfolding story of grace. That that God from the very beginning was for us. And he created Adam and Eve. In the creation, he provided everything for them that they could possibly need, could possibly want. But they had one want beyond what God had provided. And that started the whole problem. And that's what started that brokenness and that conflict that's been going on in every one of us ever since. And it's because we don't understand how much God is for us. So he spent the whole first half of this letter saying, this is God's unfolding story of grace. That God has been for you from the very beginning. From before you were born, God has been for you. Therefore, and now he goes on, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy. Now again, he's underscoring this. This is about God's love for you. This is about God's grace. This is about God's mercy. See, if you think, 
and your picture of God is that God wants something from me, then you will spend all of your life trying to get God to not be mad at you because you're not living up to what he wants from you. If you understand that God is for you, it changes everything. Because now you begin to understand that whatever God says is for my benefit. What is it that God wants for you? Well, we looked at one, some of those just last week. Galatians, the book of uh, Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatian church. He said, this is what God wants for you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, let me just ask you for a moment. Isn't that what you really want for your life? Don't you really want a life of love? Wouldn't you really want to be more patient, more forgiving? Wouldn't you really want to be kinder? Wouldn't you want to experience kindness from other people? I mean, isn't that really what most of us, if not all of us, want for our lives? That is the thing that God wants for you. And because he wants that for you, then everything about his relationship with you is for your benefit. And if we could embrace that truth, then we would discover what Paul ends up this whole section talking about. He says, you will then be able to test and approve what God's will is. God's will is what he wants for you. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, what he's saying is what God wants for you is good, which means it is beneficial. It is advantageous. It is really what is good for you. It is good. It is pleasing, pleasing in the sense that it is satisfying. It is ultimately fulfilling. It's what you really want for your own life. And it is perfect in the sense that it is mature. It is fully grown. What he's talking about is your character. And my character. And those are the things that God wants for us. And, and what typically what happens is in churches, and in most churches, and probably you were raised this way. I know this is kind of the picture that I got of God was, here's the standard. You can't live up to it, but God will forgive you. So now you just got to make a commitment, a deeper commitment to try even harder. Anybody familiar with that way of thinking? Yeah. And none of us can do it. Because trying harder doesn't cut it. You can never be trying hard enough. You can never be good enough. So God's grace is not just about forgiveness. It's about something else. And if you say to yourself, I can't do that, you are on the right track. Because when you're willing to say, I can't do that and admit your need, then you're ready to discover that God is for you, that he has the means And that he has the resources and all that you need for real change. That God's grace is about forgiveness, yes, but not just about forgiveness. It is really about transformation. One of the best things you can do is to admit, I can't do this. And Paul writes about this. So he says, listen, if God is for us, if he really is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? In other words, God is for you. And if he is for you, then he's not going to hold out on you. He is going to continue to give you all that you really need to become the person that you want to become. 
And you need to embrace that. That, that. that needs to be, if you don't get anything else, if you walk out of here just with the understanding God is for you, you will be 90% down the right road. God is for you. And if you can grasp hold of that, then let that conviction, let it become a conviction. Let that conviction begin to shape your mindset. Now, what is your mindset? Okay, every computer has what's called an operating system. Whether you have a PC or a Mac, every computer has an operating system. The operating system is the program that runs in the background that allows all the other programs and all the other apps to function. Okay, and you don't pay attention to it until it crashes and you face the blue screen of death. Okay, your life has an operating system. It runs in the background without you even noticing it. And that is your mindset. Your mindset is how you look at life. It's how you interpret experiences. It's how you relate to people. It's how you approach tasks. It's the it's just the way that you think. And what Paul says is that's what needs to change. He says we have this operating system. And the operating system is the culture that we live in. So he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now let me stop right there. That pattern, okay, did you know that? Our culture has a pattern. That culture, that pattern is your mindset. It is the way that you look at life. Every culture has a pattern, and that is what shapes your values. And the culture that we live in, the pattern of it or the mindset of it or the operating system is mostly about earning and deserving. It is mostly about achievement and acquiring stuff. And that's the culture that we live in. And that's the pattern that tends to run our lives. And that's why our wants so much drive our lives because our wants are about the immediate and we are constantly fed a list of wants and it goes into your mindset. So he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Your mindset needs to shift because there is a pattern that has been ingrained in you and is reinforced in you every single day. And, and, and companies and businesses know that. And that's why they will spend millions of dollars for 30 seconds of airtime to affect your mindset. In a couple of weeks, it's going to be the Super Bowl. It is the one time of the year that people actually want to see the commercials. And advertisers know that. So the companies will spend millions and millions of dollars just for 30 seconds to get your attention to help shape your mindset. And if you don't think that is true, let me do this with you. Okay. Those of you who grew up in the 70s, okay? If you grew up in the 70s, I bet you know the ingredients of a Big Mac. (laughs) Am I right? Okay, everybody who knows it, you grew up in the 70s, the ingredients of the Big Mac are what? Two special pickles, onions, sesame seed bun. Yeah. Do you know that that advertising campaign only lasted one and a half years, 43 years ago? And it is stuck in your brain. Now, for those of you who are not quite that old, Let me give you another one. 15 seconds or more will... Oh, come on. 15 seconds or more can save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Okay, you finally got it. 
Yeah, those, they spend millions of dollars trying to figure out one little catchphrase or slogan or something that will stick in your brain. Because our mindset is what drives our lives. And, and our culture's mindset is about acquiring and success and achievement. And that's why things become more important than people. And our achievements and our success become more important than our relationships. Because of this pattern that has been shaped inside of our minds. So what we needs to happen is there needs to be a transformation by the renewing of our mind. Now, transformed. Let me give you a little bit of Greek because our New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. The word transformed in the original language is, and you'll, you'll probably recognize this word, metamorpho which is where we get our English word, metamorphosis. See, you know Greek. You didn't even have to go to seminary. Metamorphosis is that slow change in which something changes actually in nature. Not just a surface change, but actually becomes something altogether different. And Paul says that's the kind of lasting transformation that you want. And that happens by the renewing of your mind. That renewing your mindset is absolutely essential to true transformation. And our culture has reinforced every single day this other mindset. And so what needs to happen is a change in our mindset. Now, that is not something that happens spontaneously. It doesn't happen on its own. It requires some active engagement. It is not an easy, quick fix, but it is a long-term metamorphosis or a change of culture, a change of mindset, and a change of character. And if you will engage, actively engage in that process, God does a work in you as you begin to renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? Well, the best way that you do that is to get God's perspective. If God is for you and he wants the best for you, then the best thing you can do would be to adopt his mindset. And the best way to get God's mindset is to know his word, to study his scriptures, to be a part of a regular gathering where the word of God is taught, to be in a small group in which you will be... um, Open it up and, and, and look at it and examine it and look at how it applies to your life. That on a daily basis, you, you spend some time learning to change your mindset and just pick one thing that says, God, this is the one thing I want to change in my life today. Now, four years ago, we did something together as a church. We spent a whole year going through the Bible. Um, and we used a book called The Story, which was kind of an overview of this unfolding story of God's grace from Genesis to Revelation. Okay? Now, four years ago, in the last four years, we have pretty much almost doubled in size. And so a lot of you were not even here for that. But it was so powerful because just going together all the way through the scriptures as a church. And what we did was we purchased a book. We gave it to everybody and said, let this be the book that you read this year. Follow along with us. Get to know God's story. This year, we're going to do something very, very similar. It's actually kind of a follow-up to the story, and it's something called Believe. Next week, we're going to make this book available to every single person, free of charge. We want you to pick this up. Now, we would encourage you to don't just go through it on your own, but to be a part of a community group. 
and get into a community group this year and learn together in a smaller group setting these things. It's 30 chapters. What we're going to do is we're going to break this down into three 10-week series, okay? And, and the three 10-week series is really what we've been setting up the last two weeks, this whole process of change. The first 10 weeks is think. How do you think like Jesus? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, the, the most essential tenets of our faith and to learn to see from God's perspective what life is all about. And so the first 10 weeks are, these are the things to think about, the renewing of your mind. The next, and that's going to go all the way up to Easter. Following Easter, we're going to do another 10-week segment, and that is all going to be about act. So know that we know this. How do we act in response to that? We'll have some application all along, but but more specifically, how do we live this out? Because what I actually live out is what I truly believe. Because I can say I believe this, but if I act differently, that's not what I really believe. I might think I believe it, but if it doesn't affect my behavior, then I don't really believe it after all. So the first 10 weeks, we're going to talk about what are you, how do you think like Jesus? Next 10 weeks is going to be, okay, so how do you act that? How do you live that out? How do you act like Jesus? So that in the fall, how do you be like Jesus? And this is all about shaping your character. And we're going to do this church-wide for the, this next year. And I would encourage you be here next week. Pick up the book. If you want to go through it, I would encourage you to go through it with somebody else if you can't be a part of a community group. If you want an extra copy, five bucks, because we want everybody to get this, and we bought tons of them, okay? So I'm going to encourage you for this next year. Each chapter is just one week's reading, but each chapter has an Old Testament, a New Testament, uh, reading it has some explanations some key thoughts and ideas and ways to start putting this into your life And i'm really excited about this what we found when we did this story four years ago It absolutely transformed our church And and I think it's going to do the same thing this time as we go through this belief because this is how Lasting change happens by the renewing of your mind think act be think act become So that's where your values is all about Now, it doesn't all have to be just scripture. In fact, Paul said to the Philippian church, he wrote these words. These are the things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, pay attention to what you feed your mind. And don't think for a moment that what you are putting into your mind is not affecting your mindset and shaping your character. So he says, think about the kinds of things that build good character into you. Let that conviction, God is for you. Let that conviction become your mindset and that will shape your values. And then, then keep your values constantly ahead of your wants. Because when I decide this is the kind of person that I want to be, Then when a want comes along, and I say, well, I want that, but will getting that help me become the person I want to be, or will it take me away from being the person that I want to be? Once I I determine those values based on what I think about God, once I determine those values, then I keep the values front and center. And as I keep values front and center, what happens is my wants slowly begin to fade and move into the background because our values are about character. 
the person I want to become. And now this is where Paul comes back to, how do you live this out? So he says, in view of God's mercy, because God is for you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Let me stop right there. Living sacrifice. Okay, we all know what a sacrifice is. That doesn't sound like fun. I don't know if I want to do that. He says, it's a living sacrifice, which means, yes, you give up something. But again, if God is for you, then it's not just about self-denial. It's really about exchanging one life for another. And if the God life, the life God wants for me is the best life possible, then I'm really not giving anything up after all. I'm just exchanging a mindset for a better one. I'm exchanging a lifestyle for a better one. I'm exchanging a whole life for a better way of living. And so he says, this is because God is for you. You can make this kind of thing. Now, offer your bodies to live a sacrifice. Your body is primarily your little kingdom. Okay? That's what your body is. Your body is the way that you satisfy and gratify your wants. It is the chief way in which you uh, uh, um, get hold of your wants. And so he says, what needs to happen is, right now, the pattern of this world is your body drives everything. And that's why your wants are so driving of your life, because wants are associated with your body, and your body is given first priority, then your wants are given first priority. If you reverse that and make your soul the first priority, your life with God, and let that shape your mindset, then it changes everything else. And then what happens is, this becomes your true and proper worship. Now, again, a little bit of Greek. True and proper. It's two words there, and that's a good translation. But the Greek word is actually one word. And the word in there is logikos or logikos, which is where we get our English word logical. See, you know Greek. What he's saying is, this seems like a sacrifice, but if God is for you and he wants the best for you, then giving up that life for the other life, that's the only logical conclusion you can come to. It's really the best way to live. And it just makes sense to do it God's way. Now, it'll be a sacrifice. It won't always be fun, but it will be pleasing and it will be good and it will be mature and perfect. So he says, knowing that, then the only logical decision is to exchange that life for the better one. It just makes sense. In fact, the thing that would not make sense is to hold on to that old life when you could have something better. And that's why this is so key to this whole idea of transformation. It's not just about self-denial. It is about a new way of life. And then what he says is that is an act of worship and you will be able to test and approve. In other words, you will be able to discover for yourself in all practical ways that this is what God's will is, that it is good, that it is pleasing, that it is perfect. And it won't be just words on a page or lessons you learn in Sunday school. It will be something that actually will transform your life. 
And when you determine what your true values are and the person you really, really want to be and the values that you truly, really want to be your values, what you will discover is that what you want for your life is really not that far from what God wants for your life. And that changes everything. Would you bow your heads with me? So here's my question. It's close. What do you really want to be? Who do you really want to be? What matters most to you? What, what needs to change? Not just trying to get a handle on your wants, but, but, but the kind of person you really want to be. And, and if you can determine that and discover that, then, then in those moments when wants want to drag you away, you can say, you know what? I could pursue that, but that's not going to get me where I really want to be. That's not going to help me become the person I really want to become. And what I want to be is so much more important than that I get that want. So God, keep my values in front of me. What would you like to see change? Just one thing in your life this year. Not about making a New Year's resolution, not about trying to change behavior, but just saying, God, this is the kind of person I want to be. This is the character I want to develop in my life this year. More patient, more loving, kinder, more generous, whatever it might be. And if you're willing today to say, God, that is the person I want to be. And I can't do that on my own. But by your help and by your grace, because you are for me, I'm going to trust you to make that change in me as I engage in this process of transformation. And if that's your prayer today, if I could pray for you and pray with you as we close, I'm just going to ask you, just raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, catch my eye as you do, because I want to acknowledge you. It's all over the room. Yeah, 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 yes, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You won't do it on your own. But he is with you. He will do it in you. Now, maybe you're here today and maybe it's a first step of faith for you. You have to make that first step to just say, God, I need your forgiveness because doing this on my own, I failed enough that I just need your grace to forgive me. But I also want your grace to truly change me. And today, that's the step of faith for the very first time that I'm taking. I am putting my life in your hands. Receive me, forgive me, change me by your grace. If you've never done that before, but today it's a first step of faith, would you do the same thing? Raise your hand, hold it up for a moment, look up, catch my eye. I want to acknowledge you and pray with you as we close. All right. All right. So here's the prayer. Lord, this is our prayer. We want to change, but not just change our behavior. We want to be changed in character. We want to be changed in a powerful, transformational way. And we cannot do that on our own. 
But these are the kinds of people we want to be. This is the thing that I want to be true of me. And so, Lord, I am saying to you today, I can't do this on my own. I do need your forgiveness. And I'm grateful that you will continue to forgive me as I stumble along in this process. But I am also trusting that you will give me the strength, that you will keep my values in front of me, that you will help me in this transformational process. I'm engaging myself in it, and I'm going to ask that you would do your part in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.